0: Hey, 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 buddies! Fellow Franco fans, welcome once again. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking company. And right now, we are in post-production on Lady Hyde and Emmanuel in Sin City. Uh, those was, should be coming out. Uh, plan is early to mid twenty twenty-two. Um, As of right now, I'm going to concentrate on those two films, and also I am getting back into uh, some sports field that I used to do when I was younger, and uh, it's bitten me again, so I'll keep you tuned on those and uh, let you know about that little side project from your host, Jason Rudy. Uh, I decided to do that because, you know, life is short, and we should always uh, finish up any loose ends, and... uh, You know, that's interesting because this film has lots of loose ends. Uh, Film 58, Kiss Me Killer, which is a remake of uh, 1962's Death Whistles the Blues. Um, Frank was known for taking a film idea concept and reworking it or straight out remaking it um, or taking pieces of other things, other films, putting them together. Um, this is one of uh, espionage that he used for there 's pieces of the um uh, red lips gang um the red lips girls in here a little bit there 's death whistles the blues there 's uh, deadly Avenger of Soho kind of themes there 's a little bit of um, um la and um yeah i'd, I'd say there's there 's a little bit of everything in this film um but uh you see a lot of that in here so this film is uh, Kiss Me Killer, and i uh, give you all the credits and everything, of course, out of Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, by Mr. Stephen Thrower. Uh, so let's see. This uh, is interesting, because um, there's other actors in here, uh, I believe Italian actors or French actors, so I'll have to look and see, that uh, have pretty substantial roles, and that might have to do with the country of origin on this, uh, this is an Italian and France production. Uh, original theatrical title in country of origin: "Embrasse Moi," kiss me. Um, and then the Italian theatrical title is "The Hot Beast," "La Calda Bestia." Alternative titles: uh, French video "Passport for a Killer," "Passport pour Atura." French video uh, "The Last Holdup." Uh, Spanish video. Uh, let's see yeah, last hold up. No translation. Uh, Spanish video waltz for a murderer. Uh, Voles pour un asesino. Uh, French theatrical press book. Love me killer. And then tango in the moonlight. Possible for French um, and sexy blues. Also, you see some kind of um, you'll see like uh, kind of like bootleg T-shirts and posters and stuff for um, sexy blues. And uh, that's what this is, the alternative of this. Although this was just the um, shooting title of it, and the Cinema Blue magazine had titled it as that. But Sexy Blues was never an official title, I believe. I'll read on and find out. Uh, unconfirmed titles, of course. Uh, Kiss Me and Make Love to Me. Embrasse-moi, et fais moi et l'amour. Uh, it's from the Euro Scene book. Um, blues la l'éclair de l'une. Uh, blues in the Moonlight. N'Vesse de Pois uh Waltz for a Killer, and then, of course, other versions: uh, Emmanuel Blonde and Blonde Emmanuel, uh, which is odd because there's another film called Blonde Emmanuel by another filmmaker, so I think they might have just had it as that. But uh, the Blonde Emmanuel that you have seen out, or Emmanuel Blonde, is a different film, different director. Uh, production company on this is Eurocene, um, as you we will see as you watch. Um, you'll see it's a Eurocene-type film. Uh, Italian producer, it says, not confirmed. Um, theatrical distribution is Eurocene. Okay, timeline for this. Initial shooting is December of 1973. And like various films of this, um, this cycle, uh, uh, Tenerife vs. Emmanuel, Hot Nights of Linda, Night of the Skull, Female Vampire, He ended up doing um, further shooting, reshoots, after he shot the initial projects, kind of seeing where some gaps were or where he still needed to film other footage to make it uh, more sensible and more coherent. And he does that successfully on some fronts and others not. But uh, for this, his further shooting is March of 1974, so about three months later. Uh, Then they got the French visa issued for um, embrasse uh, March 7th of 77, so almost about three years, three years or so later, three years, two months. Uh, an Italian visa issued numbered in August 12th of 77. And Italy played Florence uh, November 11th of 77. And France, it played December 14th of 1978. So yeah, about, uh, about four years, four and a half years after the initial further shooting, that's a long time yeah this looks like I sat on the shelf for a while uh, theatrical running time France as M- M- uh 98 minutes uh, cast that's a pretty solid cast in this um, Alice Arno returns again as Lida Raddick, and of course Raddick is a name that's used uh, by um, Marquis de Sade and uh, it's used in um, Eugenie and, and um, used in a few of his films uh, which I point out in past episodes uh, of course, Lina Romay is very great in this, as Mariah Ray, a stripper. Uh, Olivier Mathuat is Moroni, owner of the Flamingo Club. He's one of the new actors, uh, f- talent that comes in for this. Same with uh, Gi- Giuseppe Mattei as uh, James Harris, Carlo Moroni's henchman, those two that work together. Uh, you have Gilda Arancio, a blonde stripper at Flamingo Club. Ricardo Vaquez Césé as uh, Paul Raddick, also known as Fougier, those three guys, I believe. Uh, Angela Bassi, Sergeant Peck, Finn's assistant, Catherine Lefevre, Rosa Amol, she's actually pretty good in this, uh, Paul Mueller, very short role, as Inspector Fenton of Criminal Pool, uncredited, um, you have Dan Von Hausen returning, uh, for I think this is his third Franco film, uh, as Jules, and then of course with him is Guax Song Heinz Thong, uh, those two work together, so she's on here as uh, Swan Heinz, um, Bill Daz, and, um, She's a woman congratulating Carter. She only has like one, one or two lines. Um, Jacques Mabeufo plays the pianist. Uh, Albert Debales is Freddie Carter. Pierre Telu is Pepe, Kukumo's friend. So he is, yeah, is the Jess Franco crew pretty much here Van Housen, Debales, uh, Pierre Tellou. Of course, Jess Franco as like aka Marcel. Uh, Antonio Mayans, of course, uh, Mario Camacho, a young gang member. Uh, big Otini, um, Mr. Connect as a gang member on the deck, ne- on deck, on dock, with m- the mustache. Of course, he has a mustache. Big, big mustache. Uh, and then, okay, uh, credits, director, Jess Franco. On this, he's billed as Roland Marceignac. M-A-R-C-E-I-G-N-A-C. I think it's one of the first ones I've seen of on that one. So, yeah, Roland. It was funny. And then Roland is a film coming up soon. Um Screenplay David Kuhn, which of course is Jess Franco. Uh, Roland Marcignac. uh, That's why he gives himself two credits David Kuhn and Roland Marcignac as screenplay. So he gives himself two credits in the screenplay. Uh, Gianfranco (coughs) Riaconi as Riaconi. Director of photography Gerard Besson. Uh, Music by Daniel White. Producer Daniel Lesueur. Production manager Marius Lesueur. Production co-ordinator Michael. Uh, Mikael Buñal, Assistant Director Gianni Martucci, uh, G. Pezzetta, uh, Continuity, Buona uh let's see, Camera Operator, Etienne Rosenfeld, Uncredited Sound, Pierre Gommet, and Scope, okay, color Eastman. All right, so I'm um, going give you some uh, notes out of the book here. Uh, production notes, there is a reason to wonder whether Italian funding was clandestinely involved for Kiss Me Killer, as there are two Italian actors present in small roles, Giuseppe Mattei, a.k.a. James Harris, and Angelo Bassi. And one of the few countries to release the film theatrically was Italy, where it played under the title The Hot Beast. Uh, Spanish in-production sources published in June seventy-four a uh, refer to the authorization of a Polizia, which the Italians would call a Palazzo film entitled Sexy Blues, made for former production manager Enrique Univeto Herrera's company trans overseas pictures of Madrid and directed by former prolific makeup artist Ricardo Viquez Sensei, who had been assistant director and actor in Franco's La Noche del Asesino, uh, Night of the Assassin. Uh, The cast for Sexy Blues was given as Alice Arno, Alberto Tabales, and Velazquez acting under his Richard Kendall pseudonym. It seems reasonable to assume that the film got into difficulties. Franco stepped in and the usable footage was incorporated into Kiss Me Killer. Okay, so that's the deal with Sexy Blues. Uh, Around the same time, Vasquez produced and co-starred in two films directed by Pedro Ramirez, El Pez de los Oros del Oro, and with a Franco-like cast including Walt Davis, Ada Tellur, Norma Castell, and Walter surratt and El Colegio de la Muerte, also starring Castel. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and read you uh, pretty much what he wrote because the review's not too long. Review. There's one thing I hate more than anything else. It's to be bored to tears, says Lena Romay, playing Moriah, a stripper, in this color remake of Franco's 1962 film La Muerte Selva Un Blues. I know just how she feels. Kiss Me Killer highlights Franco's shortcomings in sharp relief and seriously outstays its welcome and exhausting 96 minutes. I don't know. There's quite a few really funny good scenes in here that we talk about in the review later with Eric and myself with uh, his strip tea sequence he likes to do and some stuff with Alice and uh, Lena. And th- there's some really funny stuff. But yeah, it's a little bit confusing. Um, way too disjointed. True. And poorly explained. True and very sluggishly paced. Uh, It relies heavily upon deferred plot information, which the audience may easily miss as their eyes glaze over, which happens to me. Uh, By the times we understand the key characters and their relationship to criminal cohort Freddie Carter, whose apparent death in the first five minutes sets the story in motion, it's vanishingly hard to care. Any sympathetic consideration of Kiss Me Killer is bound to be hamstrung at least at the time of writing this book by the terrible quality of the only available English-language version, an atrociously dubbed ugly-looking video transfer from the early 80s. However, while this unlucky handicap must be acknowledged, the film suffers from two more interesting failings. Firstly, Franco is not a master of suspense, which is a serious problem in a thriller like this where the gradual release of information requires a tight hold on narrative tension. Audiences should be champing at the bit for missing pieces of the puzzle. However, Franco, however, scarcely seems to care about the pacing. Nowhere in Kiss Me Killer is there any sense of acceleration. Events merely succeed one another like a slideshow at half speed. Secondly, Franco is perennially disinclined to offer graphic violence, even when the subject seems to cry out for it. Kiss Me, Killer is an exploitation flick with barely a trickle of the red, red vino, made at a time when Italian directors like Fernando De Leo and Umberto Lindsay were crafting wonderfully arrogant crime thrillers, zealous areas of blood and bullets with energy to burn. Kiss Me, Killer juggles a plethora of hoods, cops, thugs, and crime lords, but doesn't seem to know what to do with them. It needs a garish shooting and savage beatings, moments of cruelty, or Baroque set pieces like the horse head in the bed and the Godfather. Instead, there's just a disillusionary trickle of blood when a minor character is shot and lots and lots of talk. Well, there's also a really good tongue battle sequence with Alice Arno and Lino Romay, but I digress. Um, <clears throat> if talk is what is on offer, then surely we need to understand the moral outlook of the characters. Yet Franco smothers the story with a blanket of banality and cynicism Characters connive and double cross to no emotional effect. Even Foggieri's betrayal by his wife Lida lacks passion. Script wise, the film is humorless, inert, dialogue is just audible print. The climactic scene between the villain, his nemesis, and the authorities does at least take place at an interesting location the winding house of a dam at which a giant mechanism turns. The cogs and fan belts suggest all sorts of and camera fun, but the production coffers are bare, and Franco is in too much of a hurry, rushing past the visual opportunities with barely a flicker of interest. Yeah, I mean, there's um, some nice shadows and things he does capture, but uh, with his pace, yeah, that's one rule in life and everything. Slow down. That's one thing I do myself, even when reading books like this and other things, just always... We're always going too fast in life, so it's always good to just take that half step down. Of course, there are nit there are mitigating factor mitigating factors. Lack of money is obviously the main reason the film fails to excite. Action sequences are costly, time consuming, they require multiple sam- camera setups and careful editing. But even so, Kiss Me Killer is simply inept. Scenes like the double cross drug dealing at the beginning of the film are not so far, very far removed from the efforts of American no hopper Al Adamson. It's hard to imagine how Franco could have succeeded given the crippling financial constraints. But in the final analysis, that's not to the audience's concern. To put it crudely, there's simply too much gassing and not enough kickassing. <laughs> As mentioned, the film plays particularly badly in its English dub. Yeah, the dub on it's is pretty cheesy. The vocal actors are pretty bad. Uh, the uninflected vocal performances are astoundingly lazy, thwarting the efforts of the on-screen cast. For instance, Antonio Mayans, playing a handsome young hoodlum, is dubbed with a voice like a retired army colonel reading cue cards in an amateur dramatics society. Antonio uh, Alberto de Valles, as Freddy Carter, is giving crucial exposition at the climax, but his lines are dubbed with all the passionate intensity of a bored script prompter. There's also a crippling lack of Foley sound, with a fully clothed sex romp between Lena and Olivier Methot, left to unspool for a minute and a half in near silence. When sex, horror, and surreal delirium are stripped away like this, when the drug of pure sensation is absent... What remains of Franco Cinema can seem dismayingly negligible. Uh, In Kiss Me Killer, there are dispiriting stretches where one could be forgiven for wondering if, say, Euroscene's Pierre Chaviel had taken over the project, which makes the theory that it was begun by a different director very tempting to embrace. After numerous viewings, I still don't understand what's going on between Freddie Carter and the gang of seafront hoods led by Antonio Mayans. Despite the Manicoa password, it appears they don't know him. Instead, they try to mug him, but he thrashes them single-handedly. The next thing we know is they become his best friends, helping him to investigate Radic. There's also one of Franco's most outrageous lapses of continuity, when Freddie Carter breaks into Radic's house and puts the records of Blues de Hano on the turntable. It's meant to be in the middle of the night, and indeed it is pitch black when Freddy sneaks in, but when Raddock and his house run downstairs to see what's happening, daylight is streaming through the windows. Yeah, we caught that too watching it. Uh, this despite Pierre Talud complaining it's madness playing games in the m- type of night. The only scenes that really cook The only scene that really cooks is a lesbian encounter between Alice Arno and Lena Romay where the chemistry between the actors conveyed genuine arousal For the rest of the monumentally tedious effort, Franco's talent is on vacation. Yeah, that scene is really good. Uh, Franco on screen. It's waste. Uh, Compensating for a tad uh, for the failings of Kiss Me Killer, Franco turns up in one of his daffiest roles, playing Kukuma, a self-styled guru who wanders through the film, offering poor of doom before dropping his act to reveal the charlatan beneath. Always willing to take on parts that cast him in a ridiculous light, Franco really earns his spurs as an ironist here. If only the rest of the film had the same anarchic silliness. Cast and crew. Ricardo Váquez Césé, a middle-aged star of Kiss Me Killer, goes unnamed in the credits, nor is he credited on promotional artwork. Instead, top of the cast list honors go to the secondary performers and Eurocene Shareholder Olivia Maltot, Angelo Bassi, who plays Sergeant Peck, assistant to Paul Mueller's Inspector Fenton, was credited in the contemporaneously hot nights of Linda, although he did not appear in that film. Music, Kiss Me Killer, labors from breath, labors for breath beneath an uncharacteristically dreary Daniel White score based around a jazz blue for a bleary-eyed trombone that has all the vivacity of a damp pillow. It's not only inervating, it's hopelessly anarchistic for a film uh, of the 70s and it's the more frustrating when one resembles the excellent psychedelic scores symboled for Franco by Gerard Kikonin on roughly contemporary films like How to Seduce a Virgin, Countess Perverse, and Center, The Secret Diary of Nymphomaniac. Perhaps Franco was rebelling against contemporary scoring. Being both Kiss Me Killer and Tender and Perverse Emmanuel utilized musical themes by Daniel White that seemed to drift in from another age more of 53 than 73. 1953 than 73. After speaking of Tender and Perverse Emmanuel, its floor piano theme turns up again here. Yeah, Also, too, um, also the cinematography, the color, color of the film, and the music... Like you saying here, even though he says fifty three, uh, did remind me of somewhat of a more seventies film. Lena definitely wears a lot of seventies fashions more so than her other films. And it kinda looks like a peck and paw film at times or like a or like a early seventies crime film, like they mentioned Godfather and that, kinda like um uh, Donald Siegel and that. Not saying it's as good as those, but just the kind of look of it and stuff reminded me of that. Definitely felt like a seventies early seventies Hollywood film or late sixties. Uh, locations. Um, The film was shot in Spain, in Lopagin, Lopagin, and El Aguiar. Uh, Moroccan towns are at either end of a large coastal bay, separated from the Mediterranean, by a spit of land called La Manga del Mar Menor, literally the sandbar of the minor sea. Other scenes were filmed in Alicante and Calpe, with the Pinon de Isfact rock visible in some shots, yeah, that's the big, huge rock that you see all the time right next to the sea. It's in tons of his films, always pointed out. See um, locations for attendant perverse Emmanuel. Uh, the little office where Inspector Fenton, Paul Mueller, and Sergeant Peck, Angelo Bausi question Raddick's right-hand man, Moroni, is the Eurocene production office. That's funny, okay. So their police office is the Eurocene production office. Yeah, I was watching it uh, with Eric, and I mentioned that. It looked like somebody's little office room, because there's like a little cabinet in that. So, that's funny. I thought it was a hotel room, but... Uh, it can also be seen in the following year's exorcism. The room in which the pianist complains to Mariah about her request to play Freddie's song also appears in Alice Arno's Paris bedroom in The Hot Nights of Linda. Connections. As noted, this is a remake of Franco's 1962 film, Death Whistles the Blues, substituting Alberto DiBallese for Conrad St. Martin. Ricardo Vasquez-Cesse for George Rolin and Alice Arnaud for Pedro Cristel. Uh, the Flamingo Club makes yet another appearance in a Franco script, as does the ever-sinister name Radic. Lina Romay is seen reading a paperback by Georges-Jean Anod called Le Commande et Les Spectres, an espionage story published in 1973 about a woman whose secret criminal past leaves her open to manipulation by the French Secret Service. Nice. Little subplot there. Alice Arnaud's distinctive black negligee, as seen in The Hot Nights of Linda, Tender and Perverse Emmanuel, and Les Glutinés, makes yet another appearance, this time worn by Lina Romé during her dressing room scene with Gilda Arancio and Giuseppe Mattei. During the drugs pickup at the docks, one of the gang announces the password is The Sun Shines in Manicoa. Another name check for Franco's own film production company. Bearing in mind that both Tender and Perverse Emmanuel and Kiss Me Killer feature references to Manicoa as does the company's debut feature, uh, Signs of the Tombs, perhaps both films actually started as Manicoa Productions, with Franco turning to EuroScene for help when he realized he couldn't finish them on his own bearing in mind that he'd already experienced difficulties coaxing two earlier Manico productions over the finish line, Relax Baby and uh, uh, Mystery of the Red Castle. Um, Maybe he transferred ownership to Eurocene this time to avoid the same fate befalling two more films. Yeah, because those two never came out. Uh, Let's see... Other versions. The version under review is the one released on Dutch video as Kiss Me Killer, which runs 96 minutes. An alternative version, recorded from French television, bears the same on screen title but removes 16 minutes of softcore material. The scene in which Ricardo Vasquez goes down on Arno is missing. Okay, well, that's, we have that version which shows that. Uh, Lena Romain's shower scene is cut to remove shots of her vagina. The sex scene between Rome and Mathot is shortened. Part of Romay's stage act is cut, losing several minutes of her filleting the Statue of David, and Alberto de Ballet's love scene with Arno is much shorter. The film is otherwise identical to the longer version, except that it's widescreen and features a far superior French audio track. Uh, with the original title being hard to verify, the Manicole file goes with Sexy Blues Obsession "Ops for a tango éclair de The CNC database has... Embrace Moi, yet none of these have turned up on film prints or poster art, we must settle for Kiss Me Killer as the only authenticated option. The list of alternative titles is long, but we can probably dispense with a few of them. An Italian film poster for something called Sweet Porno Baby, which I've seen art of that available as well on shirts and things for sale. Um, So, Something called Sweet Porno Baby bears credits that appear to relate to Kiss Me Killer. However, Italian press coverage of Sweet Porno Baby reveals that the plot doesn't match up. It is, in fact, another Eurocene Franco movie, The Far Superior Shining Sex. So yeah, Sweet Porno Baby is an alternative title of Shining Sex. Um, Next, how about Blonde Emmanuel or Emmanuel Blonde? These sound to me as though they actually belong to the previous Eurocene production, Tender and Perverse Emmanuel. Note, too, that there's an American sex film called Blonde Emmanuel, four years later, 1978, directed by Stephen Gibson. Some sources list Kiss Me Killer um, as an alternative title, but this is simply a case of the strapline on the French Margarine Video release being erroneously added to the real title. Um... The Italian theatrical release, La Calda Bestia, was touted in Turin press efforts as offering 90 minutes of super-hard play. Does this indicate a missing hardcore version, or is it simply misleading advertising? Um, okay, Problematic. Various sources add the unconfirmed Giorgia Zande as a male dancer at the Flamingo. It's hard to be sure, given the atrocious quality of all available sources, but the woman dancing a topless ballet with him could be Monica Swim. Yeah, this kind of looks like her. You can see a little bit more in the version we have. Um, so, yeah. Um, you'll hear our review talking about it and tell you our thoughts on all that good stuff. Um, this film is not yet available um, on DVD or Blu-ray. You can find it through uh, different uh, tape dealers on DVD-R um, and uh, yeah, you can find it about two or three places if you just look hard enough. Um, it's out there. Um the quality is decent. Uh, for completists. it's something to have. Um, but yeah, maybe one day it'll come out on DVD or Blu-ray. We'll see. Um, the mission statement, of course, is praise and a memory of Just Franco, bringing the name and films of Just Franco to new eyes and ears. And we do that uh, every week here on the Franco Observer Podcast. As you know, we download and have new episodes every Wednesday morning we drop early early so uh if you like the show please download the episode uh subscribe and uh share it tell people about it and uh build our audience i would appreciate it this is a one-man operation with help from my friends um i'm the one that does all the recording editing all that stuff like you know most podcasts and then i have uh, my friends come by and help me review and uh we do that and so yeah so you know i do this every week for the love of Franco so hopefully if you love the Franco as well share the news and tell people about it I do thank you um, I notice more and more people are listening every day every week so that's always uh, encouraging and uh, keeps me on track for doing all the Franco films so um, before we jump into the review part am just going to let you know we're going to basically go up until uh, the Dietrich era which we've already done so that's about another I think uh, uh, one two Two, three, four, about about another eight or nine films. And then when we reach that point, um, we're going to go back to the beginning of Franco's catalog to the films we haven't done yet and fill in that gap until we sync up again with um, either uh, Cocktail Special or uh, Two Female Spies. We've got to see what actually counts in the Franco filmography but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll line back up and uh, get, get everybody back on track because I like to try to sync up the number of the film with the episode number because uh, when we started off, we kind of jumped in with Dracula and then kind of jumped ahead a little bit and stuck with the Dietrich stuff, and now we're kind of jumping back around. So, um, yeah, we am going to try to do all these in order. I think it's better that way. And then later on, you could just listen to them in chunks of where they belong in the filmography or go through and find them at your leisure. So, trying to make it too confusing for you guys. So, make it less confusing for me as well. Alrighty. Well, uh, thanks again. And uh, hang out through the bumper music until you hear Mr. Eric Whitwell and myself review the film Kiss Me Killer. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Kiss Me Killer, film 58. Ciao. Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, and uh, coming to you today from the compound, and uh, we are on episode 58 in the journey, film 58, Kiss Me Killer, uh, it's not a request, it's the actual title of the film, and uh, <laughs> that, that that goes out to you there, uh, the Golden State Killer. Um And uh, as you hear by the laughter in the background, joined today by uh, a long-time Franco reviewer now, uh, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey! Hey, hey. So, uh, yeah, doing this episode after about a two-week break, and we uh, jump back into the Franco universe with Kiss Me Killer, which had quite a few highlights, and um, let's just say, uh, in my future, I want to come back as a statue (laughs) and uh, be on stage with Lena Romay, Somewhere down the line, <laughs> even though it's impossible now with her being passed away. But uh, yeah, so that the uh, statue scene is quite good. But we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So right now I'll give you the um, synopsis of Kiss Me Killer, which reading the synopsis helps many people, including me and Eric. As yeah, well, I definitely need this one. <laughs> because uh, this is one where you got to figure out what the fuck's going on. All right. Synopsis. I remove the old spectacles here. Uh, Lo Pagan, a port in southern Spain, 1973. A gang of criminals, Paul Fugere, Maroney, Jules, Carlo, and Freddie Carter, plan to pick up a consignment of drugs at the harbor. However, during the getaway, Fourieri shoots Carter. At the And at the rendezvous, Moroni stabs Jules. Foghieri tells Freddy's wife, Lita, that it was the police who killed Freddy. Okay, so that's Spain, 73. Fast forward, March 4th, 75. Okay. So that's something we don't see. Okay. okay. About a year and a half later. Foghieri now lives under the alias of Paul Raddock in a luxury seaside villa in the south of France. Lita who hangs out with Pepe, a musician, Rosa, Pepe's partner, and Kukuma, a real guru, tells Paul that while she was at the Flamingo Club the night before, she heard the band play a jazz blues song written for her by Freddie. Someone had apparently requested the number specifically for her. Mariah Ray, a stripper, Turns out to be the person who requested the song. She's sexually involved with ex-gang member Carlo, now manager at the Flamingo Club, and also with Moroni, who is the club's owner. Moroni has also remained Fougier slash Raddick's right-hand man. Okay, fills in some spaces. Meanwhile, Freddie Carter, who did not in fact die from Fugier's gunshot, arrives in town. At the harbor, he's approached by three hoodlums, led by Mario Camacho. They attempt to beat him up, but Freddy gets the better of them. That night, an unseen assailant shoots the pianist who played the jazz number requested by Mariah. At the Flamingo Club, Ferrieri agrees to meet Mariah, who takes her back to his house, where she ends up making love with Lita. That's a highlight. Yes. Camacho hooks up uh, making love with Lita's culo. Um... Camacho hooks up with Carter, who grills him for information about Radic. Fugieri receives a letter from Carter, demanding a rendezvous. Carter has recently made the acquaintance of Mariah, and the two have sex together. Afterwards, Mariah writes a report to the Spanish police. She's been sent undercover to discover the truth about Fugieri and Carter. That night, Carter breaks into Fugieri's house and plays the record he wrote for Lita at full blast before quickly leaving the way he came. Moroni goes to the police on Fugieri's behalf, demanding an investigation into the mystery. Carter takes an opportunity to visit Lita and it transpires that they have been playing that they have been plotting together and playing. Carter is followed by Moroni, and after a car chase and a violent struggle, Carter shoots him dead. Badly beaten, Carter wakes the next day to find that Camacho's friend found him and recitated him. Carter is allowed to recuperate at Camacho's house, looked up after by Rosa. After trying to question Mariah, then after trying to question Mariah, then brutally whipping her with a belt which he refuses to divulge who she's working for, Jerry tells his wife that he's tempted to go on the run, he's afraid to go to the rendezvous with Carter. He admits that he was the one who shot Carter to protect his criminal interests. Lida persuades him to go through with the meeting, saying that she no longer has feelings for her ex-husband. At the arranged meeting point, an old mill, Foggieri is confronted by Carter along with Inspector Fenton and Sergeant Peck. Carter now reveals, Carter reveals that he now works for Interpol, and vital information has been given to them by Lida. She spits that she despises Fugieri for what he did to her husband. Fugheri sh- shoots Peck and Lita and runs away with Fenton and Carter in pursuit. On the beach, Fugeri is held at gunpoint by distraught and vengeful Mariah, who shoots him dead. So, Eric, what you think of the movie?
1: Gosh, dude. Um, confusing. Yeah, really. I was, yeah. I'm still kind of confused, to be honest with you. <laughs>
0: I grasp it a little bit more now. Reading, yeah,
1: it actually. I, I, a little bit more. I, I think, also, and I
0: kind of feel stupid now that I didn't catch other things, but yeah, because like, oh yeah, duh, duh, duh. Yeah,
1: it's uh, the maybe it's a bit of the fact that uh, what's her name? Um, his name Lena, and Lena's oh. name Mariah. <laughs> yeah, maybe that throws me off a little bit. Lida, L I D A. Lida, okay, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, yeah. No, um. It, yeah, some of the scenes really kind of turned me on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was confused, but then there was always the, yeah. the the really nice moments thrown in, interspersed into it.
0: Okay, so before I go over the list and all that stuff, uh, let's see. And I, there's like three or four. I'm thinking right off my head. What what is your highlight of the film? One highlight.
1: Oh gosh. Oh. What, what's
0: your favorite scene in the movie? You're really like, okay. Because there's two that I'm like debating about, like what's the better one?
1: Honestly, just just for the fact of like how random it was, and like how I it's not you, typical that you see this in a movie, especially like a lovemaking scene. Was uh, Lena going for uh, going for the culo?
0: Oh, her opening the butt. Yeah, like, opening and, the and, butt and, and, and going
1: yeah. going to lick the the butthole. Yeah, like because that's just not. Typical when you see a lovemaking scene in a movie. <laughs> see, no, that's the third choice. And I was thinking oh. of, so the th- first two I was debating about, either Lena and the
0: statue. Oh, yeah. Or, but I'm going to go with the clashing of the tongues with Lena and Alice. Alice, yeah. When they were just hitting the tongues like it extended about a time. And they were almost like tongue wrestling yes, with the yeah, tongue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like a clash of the titans with like Godzilla versus King Kong. And they were just like going at it. <laughs> <laughs> and the way he shot it really close up and stuff, too, was really, really nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. It lasted for a long time, too, man. It was like they were going for a while. Yeah. But I think Lena won that battle.
0: Well, I don't know. Al- Al- Alice had the advantage because she was taller, so yeah. she was kind of going down to her. And Lena was fighting up from the bottom. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, God i Lena in this film. I don't know. Every time I keep saying that, it's just these early films of Lena, is just like strong, insane, man. yeah,
1: insane. Because she's
0: like showing off the power that she has that she hasn't yet grown into or fulfilled yet. But she's just like her smile and certain things she does is like there, there's a scene where she's laying on the two beds and she's rolling around, and then next thing you know it, it's like she does five moves, and then her fingers right up under her ass between <laughs> her legs. And you're just like Jesus Christ, you Jesus know? She's just there, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, It's the reason why I say like, I think Lena won the tongue battle is because towards the end, Alice switched to kind of more lippy kiss, yeah. and Lena was still, like, throwing, like, little left and rights with her tongue at her. Plus, so,
0: and as a spoiler, too, Alice dies and Lena survives, so, you know, that's the, well, they, I, you know. I always prefer that one. Yeah, I well, wanna <laughs> But, no, it's funny. Alice and Lena, they make a very good physical pair together. You know I just they're both different with their bodies and, yeah. and how they look and their act and everything and it's very uh they work well together and they go get well against each other but they but they really work well together they don't they're not jealous of each other they're very like lena knows like she's second to Alice at this time you know yeah and but she keeps trying to like take over it a little bit you know, and Alice is like really strong oh, and yeah. uh and and she you know kind of gets to dominate with certain things and so it's really really cool to watch that dynamic between the two of them but Lena's just so there's a scene with her in the shower and she's oh, showering God. and smiling and you just want to jump in the TV and just fucking jump in the shower you know <laughs> that's fucking possible
1: the little, flirt- little flirtatious looks you know yeah. she's just with her eyes and her mouth she's just so uh, playful and Yeah, it's so cute
0: now she she has such a great smile and just so like you just see the energy the playfulness and the allure and stuff in this, and 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 Franco knows it too at the time because, uh, well, just go over the scene real fast. But uh, yeah, there's a scene where the, he has her doing a, a strip tease on stage. I was talking about the statue, mm-hmm. and uh, what's cool I was talking about Franco is he always has really interesting strip club scenes in uh, Vampirus Lesbos* and in this and *Succubus* and quite a, quite a few of his films. Obviously, because we always put it as one of the um, choices on the on the list. And this one, he has a statue, and and you see Lena sitting opposite. And first, I just thought she was in a room because she's sitting in a chair, kind of like in a in a statuesque pose opposite the statue. And then you see as she starts to move around that she's wearing very little clothes. And then you cut to the other side, you see that there's a stage or that there's a crowd watching her. Then you realize, oh, it's one of his striptease scenes again because she walks starts really slowly around the stool, and then she starts to undress, and then she starts to. Uh, uh, interact with the statue, starts fondling the statue, trying to make a statue erect, which is pretty <laughs> playful. But it's her challenge, and she's almost going through the motions of what she does in all the films, and you get to see her technique. And it's almost cool; she's like going against an impossible challenge, almost like an ant against an elephant. You know, this this statue can never be aroused because it's a statue. But Lena's going to goddamn try, and she's going to see whatever she can, and she'll she'll do as whatever she can and uh and if not she's still going to get enjoyment out of it and by the end after she pilates the statue she mounts the statue and uh reigns supreme so it's a very good scene
1: well to 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 lena's credit the the statue was hard yeah <laughs> it did get, it was and, get hard.
0: And, and in the letter, she talks about certain people not being as erect as other people. She judges some of the guys that she's been sleeping with. Yeah. And she talks about that, so maybe that's why uh, she was trying to put the statue as well. You know.
1: Goddamn, yeah. That was like, yeah, watching that scene, man. I, yeah. It just... <laughs> like I, was, I was transfixed. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so I think the main three leads, female-wise, are Alice Arna, of, um, uh, of course, as Lita, and Lena Romay, of course, as the undercover. And... Um, the third gal, I gotta look up her name. She was the group girl Rosa. of Bigotini. Oh, is that any Rosa?
1: Rosa, see. yeah. This is Rosa, the woman the three of us love.
0: <laughs> okay, I wonder if that was okay. That's supposed to be her then. Is uh okay? So let me go through this quick. So we have is the, uh Let me just go with the females. Leader of May. Um, you have Gilda Arancio, the blonde stripper at the Flamingo Club. We see her very shortly. Um, and then you have um, Catherine Laferia, Rosa, Amol. Okay, so okay. Catherine Laferria. Yeah, she's really, really pretty in this. I didn't know who she was. And the other person is you have that Gyok Swan Hons Thong, as she's the woman congratulating Carter, that really short line. Yeah. And she was in. Um, uh, Knight of the Skull, remember? Oh, she's, she's with the, the Asian guy. lover? Yeah, with the guy with the chin, who's nice yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, his name is.
1: Yeah, she was the wife. The Dan,
0: Asian Dan, wife. Dan, uh, Dan von Halsen. Those two were okay. together, and they're in this film together as well. Okay. You know, but not on screen together, but yeah. But that's funny. And then, um, you have Bigotini. Yeah, Bigotini keeps talking about how, you know, she's our girl. She makes love to us, or I forget yeah. how it was, you know they don't even see her name he just says what she does and he and he always announces to everybody how like that's their girl and all of them fuck her basically you yeah this is the girl the three of us
1: love yeah so this is Rosa
0: speaking of things you love so here's the Franco list and uh we'll go over what we saw and see how much of it actually fits the list um number one body of water yes oh yeah body of water is a lot in this film um number two and three sailboat and boats correct on both yep uh, four, palm trees, yes. Yes. Uh, definitely a scene where about to, is spying on them outside and he's standing next to a palm tree. One very similar to my side yard. It's funny. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. Uh, I think any, I caught it in this one. No. Uh, six, chained up person, no. No. Not in this one. No. Uh, seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. No. Correct, no. Lena with the no. statue. No. They no. show that twice, no. actually. Um, this way too, she looks bored on the second time, it's funny. Uh, eight club scenes dancing no we see the club people sitting yeah. there but not dancing or nothing yeah. so that's kind of half uh nine jazz music yes oh yeah uh ten excessive zooms i don't know about excessives there's a few and, and we notice some in a couple yeah. sequences uh, in lieu of dolly shots, but I don't, I don't think he goes too crazy in this one. It wasn't
1: too crazy. There were zooms, but it wasn't yeah, too, too too much. much. Yeah, and then, it
0: wasn't anything. And then out of focus, that kind of goes with the zooming because has a hard time changing his focus. Yeah, decent. It wasn't that bad though. It really yeah. wasn't
1: too bad. But yeah, there definitely was some.
0: A couple parts where you could tell he was kind of shooting fast. That was a mm-hmm. little out of focus, but it seemed like he had a little more time to shoot with this film. Uh, just look at them. I'm catching that real quick. Neutral shooting, December 73. Okay, so yeah, he probably shot for about two, three weeks on this average, <laughs> which is probably about a week more than the last film. Yeah, so. I know. I know.
1: It's so. still such a short time. I like, yeah, but, Oh, he took his time with this one. <laughs> exactly. Oh,
0: only a month or less. Uh, let's see. Uh, so number 12, Mirror Shots. Yeah, actually, there's yeah. quite a few good ones in this one. I made a mention of it caught a few times. Uh, 13, Mind Control Theme. I don't think so. I mean... Unless you think of like you know not knowing somebody who they are, or tricking somebody. I don't really count yeah, that. It's more man, like man. mental control. Of um, course, number fourteen, magic tongue scenes. Whew, yes, Jesus. yeah, that's one thing that this film delivered in speed. Well, what's
1: his name gave a magic tongue.
0: A little bit, yeah. Eric got really excited for that. By really? right. He's like, oh,
1: he's got the magic tongue. Freddie Carter, Freddie Carter, he pulled out the magic tongue yeah. for a second.
0: Yeah, Uh in the Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He was he was tr- trying to get on it, but. But he was he was being a gentleman. In this he kept his clothes on with all of his love scenes. So, so. awkward. Yeah, so kept his awkward. kept his double knit stitch fucking blazer jacket on plaid because he was so cool. He had to keep that on when he was had a naked Lena, of course, or yeah. naked Alice Arno. And his love scene with Alice Arno is bizarre. It's like he hadn't seen her for a while,
1: and then Years. he like
0: yeah uh, yeah about a year and a half thought so yeah. I was dead, and then he like takes his jacket off and kind of like whips her with her a little bit in a playful manner or something it's a little stupid it's like what the fuck you know really yeah.
1: weird you and think they would embrace and kiss yeah, like, I they mean, they that's ex- his quick, wife that's they, his ex-wife
0: yeah they kind of came in real quick like they were gonna kiss a few times and they kissed real fast and it was like real goofy yeah, you know? yeah real stupid
1: her husband that she thought was dead for all this time and like his wife and yeah it's like they're together again and he's like they're un- yeah it's just weird that's funny yeah it's really weird
0: um, ok so and then um, let's see uh, 15 um, red light yeah yep. we have um, red light scenes in this mm-hmm. definitely a lot of faces on the people uh, 16 uh, sheepskin rug or mass See item no no uh, 17 mad scientist no. no 18 fish tank no 19 talking parrots no 20 end credits yes or no yes, yes. 21 handwritten notes no spiral staircase shots No No. Uh, 23 inept cops Kind of Because at the end uh, Like all this shit And it was like That guy shot that guy's partner Yeah And instead of shooting that guy back He shot the partner And then had Alice Arno And then killed Alice Arno And then he actually got away Yeah And Lena was separate And she did it on her own Independent, strong, whatever And so she did what the cops couldn't do yeah, so literally a guy was from Interpol, Paul Mueller, and he killed his partner. Didn't he? Remember? He, remember? We he were like, we oh, shot his partner, and he's just standing there. Yeah,
1: Paul Mueller didn't even flinch. No. Like his partner's right next to him, just got shot, is falling to the ground, dead. Yeah, and Paul he Mueller didn't like
0: reach for a gun or try to like, chase out. And... He just like, oh, like he just cool as yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like he probably gave more reaction if somebody farted and stunk than yeah. just. just like, <laughs> by the way, he shot my partner and all the stuff we had been going on that's why like it's so you know Yeah. it's funny all they were there for was to show up and like say they were from this area yeah. and stuff but really it was like Lita that fucking did the work you know yeah she, she got yeah. it that's funny and uh, yeah it's made me think about the United Cops so yeah definitely United Cops in my end uh, 24 belly chain no no belly chains in this oh. yeah it was just sad could have seen Alice Arnold a belly chain yeah that
1: would have made it better <laughs> yeah
0: <I>, uh, <laughs> add like another half star with the belly inclusion Billy chain um there's another uh in the paul mueller or howard vernon the uh law of diminishing returns where you just see him less and less each film this is almost a fuck they probably used him for two hours maybe to shoot with or half a day probably or maybe a day shooting because he's in that two scenes talking and then the one scene coming at the end so it's like so simple yeah i don't know he's good in it but he's so so small um I'd say the the good ones are Alice and Lena, of course. Um, and uh, Diwali's pretty good in this, and uh, Mayans and those guys, Bugatini, but they're just kind of small parts. They're yeah. kind of interchangeable, especially with the other new actors in this and that. We have a lot. Um, references there's reference to the Flamingo Club, which is used many times. Um, Radic again, his last name, uh, from um, the work he saw. Of course, Eugenie, they used Radic in, and they used that it's in. Uh, uh, the one with the room, um um Hot Nights, it, Hot Nights or Jennifer Verse Manuel or yeah, they use it a few times recently. We watched um using that again. So um and of course uh Manacoa is a password for, for Franco.
1: <laughs> that kinda of cracks me up. It's like it's like, oh the, the code word. It well it was uh The
0: sun is in Manicoa
1: The sun shines in Manacoa. Yeah. And it's just like really? Like that's just such an awkward thing, like to make as a password. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Well, I mean, at least you know it's, somebody's not just faking it. Yeah. It's very specific. Yeah. And odd, you know. It's not like, I don't know. Hello, my name is George or some making up. You're, you're a about, greeting yeah. in a Yeah. Yeah, sunshine's in Manicoa. Oh, okay, well, you know, sunshine's everywhere, you know. <laughs> but um, let's see. So we have my little notes here. Lena Strip, use statue. We talked about that. Uh, yeah, the nice slow shots, I thought, in this film. He had, uh, the part that was... Bad with the continuity. Oh, continuity! I've yeah, got the day for night shots. Actually, let me jump on that. The day for night shots. This is so terrible. It says, "Oh, it's midnight outside," and they show exterior shot as midnight. But when they're saying it, the interior shots in the house are standing in front of sunshine shining through the through the windows. Yeah. And parts where they're driving, it's day and then night, and you don't know if it's supposed to be an hour, but it's really like four hours. Oh, it's just so confusing sometimes. Um, but you know, he has really nice cinematography. In this really nice shadows, lights, a lot of cool. Reflection shots, a lot of really good outdoor cinematography. Yeah. This was, was really really good, and that helped along when you didn't understand something. was just very visually good to look at. Um, the tongue fights really good, of course, with Alice Arno and her. Um, some nice driving sequences with Alice Arno and her husband, as you see the the seaside town. Um, part I like too was uh, Albert Balay's when he learns. Uh, about his ex-wife and she's in the uh other guy's place and they're like inside of like a compound and he kind of like goes over the wall so he's almost like storming the castle to get his princess and he sees her in there and he he, and he has sex with her and stuff but uh yeah it was just kind of cool that setup of that kind of fairy tale time and uh and also too is an M scene of lena whipped by the other boss guy you know just kind of funny that was an interesting sequence. But, uh, yeah, and this is, of course, a remake of uh, 1962's Death Whistles the Blues. And also, too, there's a lot of um, Deadly of Soho that uh, I saw a lot of similarities with this, with changing the names, going undercover and killing people and coming back and people that double-crossed you and stuff and that that. So kind of a familiar theme. And also, too, Lita uh, Romay uh, was almost like one of the Red Lips uh, spy girls, too, where she's going undercover. Acting as a stripper or a prostitute, and going against these people, and and, and taking clues and making notes and, and trying to get the victims, and of course in the end she's the one that shoots the guy, so yeah. she gets the job done. So, uh, do you have any notes or anything you want to well, add to it?
1: It's kind of funny. Like I like to, uh, I like the fact that uh, God, I just keep calling Freddie Carter. Yeah. Um, like how him and uh, Lena, Mariah, like she's like a like he surprises her. It's like she's on her way home, and right. he just jumps out and grabs her arm. Yeah, and it's like, I, I I want you. Like, I want you. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, come on inside. Yeah. And he was going, they go inside, and he's, like, stretching his legs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's, like, doing these, like, le- weird leg lifts while she's trying to unbutton his shirt. But
0: before that, they have to walk all the way up to the yeah. end of the shot, and then back, and then right in front of the camera again, up to the thing. Is me okay. so. But uh yeah, it was interesting. So it was it was funny seeing all that set up and stuff. But yeah uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Like she's unbuttoning his shirt, she's naked underneath her little robe and he's like doing these weird leg lifts and he's like, Give me a cigarette. Yeah, and she gets him cigarette, he goes, I don't like cigarettes. Yeah. I don't like smoking. She's like, Well why do why do you smoke? He goes,
0: I forgot what he said. And she goes, uh, well. Uh, how do you smoke he goes oh like this and then does a weird inhale. yeah yeah some stupid it's Like he's trying to be funny or yeah sly or whatever you know and
1: then like it's like then there's like another scene like he's he's with his wife and then almost it cuts off and he's walking out with lena and another like not yeah, long after he's I walking know. out of lena's house with really her confusing yeah Going and get into a car and she's like oh you know
0: yeah he puts him back to back with no in between so it doesn't show any passage of anything in between so you know yeah. it's like weird it's like if shooting me and you walking into a door and then you walk out with somebody else without no cutaways. Like, wait, I seen these people walk into somebody's houses. What the hell? It doesn't make sense, you know. Instead of showing, oh he walked out to something else and then he's walking out of that same place later. Instead of yeah. you know? so yeah, certain things like that, he leaves out instead of going from one to four, he leaves out two and three and just goes one, four. Yeah. You know? yeah.
1: But it's like it's like all of a sudden they're like this loving couple. Yeah. Right? And then there's another scene where he's walking out of her house again and she's like, Well let's get a place together. Let's get a let's 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 get an apartment together. Yeah. And he's like, he says basically, no, I, I'm an, I'm independent. I'm by myself. I'm an independent, right? Right. Right. And she's like well, at least tell me your name. And I was like, what the, whoa. You- yeah,
0: he was going to buy, it. they were going to move into an apartment together and <laughs> yeah. then she didn't even know his name. He's like, well, yeah, at least tell me my name, yeah. yeah. he goes, Freddie Carter. And she goes, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and he takes, walks away from the shop. Yeah,
1: it's like, man, you guys have like, developed this like loving relationship and you don't know his name yet. You know? Exactly, yeah. It's hilarious.
0: I know they continue to call Lena a, a whore and you know uh, she's just a whore and these guys talk about her and stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, she strips in the club, and, and, you know, you don't really see her ch- charging money as this that. No. She just, you know, when they start calling her a whore, she's just a whore, you know.
1: Well, I mean, she's, she's very friendly, and she goes wherever she's wanted.
0: Well, she's taking sex just as those guys do. Yeah. Those guys are fucking everybody. The, yeah. He's Alice Harno and him and her and everybody yeah. else, and yeah. It's
1: so funny. I'm not judging her.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm not judging her. The, and also, there's a lot of guys with white hair in here, too. There's, like, yeah. three guys with white hair that were, like, you know. Wait no, that's no okay. Wait wait yeah
1: so yeah funny. the match the matches of the men and the women didn't really work too yeah. well. Oh yeah yeah that yeah. was a little awkward because like, yeah, the Italian happens,
0: actors the, yeah those, those two guys yeah well the first guy was the pianist who was with Lena oh he was the pianist yeah so he got shot and then he got shot for playing that song yeah which is right. fucked because Lena tells him to play that song and then you know And he, and he it, dies so, for yeah it. yeah it's funny
1: yeah but it's just yeah it didn't really match and then like when he was talking about Alice Arno like the. The, the guy who ended up being her husband and the, right, right. the, the second one um he was on the phone he's like yeah i got a, my new wife she's like 50 55 or something like that and he, yeah he said 50 you know, oh, okay. 50 like 55 i'm like that does not make sense alice is not 55
0: yeah i didn't catch that part maybe i was in the yeah. other room or something yeah, i didn't hear that part but yeah it was just, i was like wait
1: was, who's he talking oh no yeah. it's Alice. No, she's not she's not. No, god no there's yeah. no
0: way yeah it's ridiculous Thirty-five at the most, and that's even stretching it. That's stretching yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, can't really recommend it. Uh, if you're a completist, you, of course, you would see all Franco's films. You're going to see it. I mean, it's not bad. Um, I think if I watched it again, the second time, I would I would kind of understand it a little more, and I I might like it a little bit more the second time. There are some good scenes in there. there there's some funny Franco scenes in here. Franco's kind of stupid as the as the <laughs> the, guru. Uh, the guru guy with tanned face uh, kind of brown fa- face paint, which is ugh, was stupid but uh, yeah he says some stupid macho lines some, some cool he says cool yeah, yeah. some cool yeah and some dumb stuff he's he's totally wasting this okay so what happened was I thought okay so remember in Deadly Avengers Soho where the violin player was blind he thought yeah. he was blind but he wasn't he was like a spy watch the whole thing yeah. now Franco's character is supposed to be like that where he wasn't a guru, he was just undercover, and he was watching the whole time with Alice Arno. Okay, but in this one, they don't really show that. But that's what it said in here: is he that's kind of like a ploy because he says something when he gets in the car with them. And in the end, they drive off. Oh yeah, he like he's like oh, so he's kind like, like, yeah, of like yeah he does Shiva the thing yeah, house, yeah yeah and then he, but then he says something like in a normal English to him yeah like in, under his breast. like that's kind of like his gimmick like he's. Like he's a spy. He's part of the thing. He's working with Interpol and stuff too, which is stupid. Yeah, yeah, I didn't really get really that established, but that's yeah. what it, that's what he was supposed to be. Okay, similar to like I said to the blind guy, where you think it's one thing, but it's something else going yeah. on. Which is this whole film, you think it's one thing, and something else is going on. So yeah, but uh, yeah, no, there's just some good cinematography in this. Um, you know, it's funny. I'd say Bigotini's pretty funny in this. Uh, Antonio is kind of wasted a little bit. Some of those guys, but uh, yeah, it's 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 all right. It's almost like, uh, to me, it's like, reminds me a lot of, like, obviously the other film was kind of like a Miami Vice episode. Like, if they took elements of it, it'd be a good Miami Vice episode.
1: <laughs>
0: and put some different actors in there, you know. Maybe not as much sex, but. I
1: guess Franco would be Tubbs then, right?
0: Yeah. A no big routine, be Tubbs. No, no. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you have the police inspector and the cops and the yeah. guy selling drugs, going undercover, working with the cops, and going back and busting the mob guys that are selling the drugs and stuff and you know
1: yeah also had the also had the typical cops scene where the cops barely listening to whoever's calling them to complain about something oh
0: yeah like in the other uh, film uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah yeah oh it's your wife she's probably out doing something yeah or, yeah, or the wife of the <laughs> husband so all righty well um yeah i know so uh yeah it was funny they, they're not listening to them to do that so and uh if you email us at francoobserver at yahoo.com we won't listen to you either no uh, yes yeah yes. so send us emails at francoobserver at yahoo.com uh, please download and subscribe to the shows um, tell your friends share all that good stuff uh, sunny and share and the, the the all the episodes and uh, let's see tell all your friends blah 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 Um uh, let's see what else. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the uh, Franco Observer Podcast and uh, on Instagram as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I think that probably wraps up my end of this. What do you think? Yeah. I'm, yeah, Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. All righty. Well, uh, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be seeing you again next time. Have a beautiful night.